We've got a long way to go in the Classic League Baseball regular season, but we've got to take a look at where we've been in 2022. The All-Star break is in the rear view. The trade deadline is just hours away. We've got a ton of teams in contention for the postseason, and things are only going to get crazier as we come down the stretch. I'm Matt here with Jason. We're sitting outside on a beautiful day. You ready for Dead People Baseball, Jay? I am ready to go. Let's go. Inning 5 starts right now. Welcome to another edition of Dead People Baseball. Jason and I are ready to go with four great topics as we take a trip around the bases with you once again. We'll get the first pitch from Casey Rydell in just a moment, but here are our conversation points for this episode. At first base, we'll have a first half slash all-star game recap for you, along with the results of our second annual home run derby. We'll open up the mailbag at second base and answer your queries from the past few weeks. A dipper at third base leads us into some trade deadline discussions, and we'll head home to talk about some key series coming from the stretch run. It's been a fun year so far, Jason. It has, and I, I, I love that we've got um, you know pretty much every team still very much alive in the uh, you know playoff run. Yep. Yeah, you'll notice uh, on the website we've got wild card rankings there. Um, so yeah, take a look at it that. But right now we've got to get over to Casey Rydell so we can start our trip around the bases. Casey, take it away with the first pitch. Have you missed me, Classic League fans? Casey Rydell here with the Dead People Baseball first pitch to get you caught up on all the standings and stats, so let's get right to it. We're going to start in the Kinsella League this time around in the Cornfield Division, where the Gramercy Ghostmen are 58-45, and 45, opening up a six-and-a-half game lead over the Harvey Wallbangers at 52-52. and 52. The Sarnia Sting have really taken a tumble and are 16-and-a-half games out of first at 43-63. and 63. In the Moonlight Division, the defending champion Limerick Hurlers and the Cleveland Spiders are tied for the top spot with identical 55-50 and 50 records. Don't count out the Raleigh Fingers either. The first-year Classic League member is 51-53, and 53, just three and a half games out of first. To the Hobbs League now in the Lightning Division where the battle is super tight. The North Coast Crashers lead things for now with a 49-55 and 55 record, while the East Point Elites are just half a game behind at 49-56. and 56. The Wormtown Warriors are in the hunt as well, just two games out of first at 47-57. and 57. Lastly, the Oak Tree Division, where Pop Fisher's Twinsburg Tornadoes have a four-game lead in the division with a record of 60-46. and 46. 55 and 49 is the Brentwood Bearcats record, four games off the pace, and Athens is just six games back with a 53 and 51 record for the Bob Kittens. Time to take a look at some league leaders. We'll start with the home run race as we've got nine players within 10 home runs of the lead. Turkey Stearns of the East Point Elites and Mickey Mantle of Gramercy have 26 home runs each, while the Fingers Barry Bonds, the Stings Hank Aaron, and the Wallbangers Albert Bell are tied with 28 home runs. A pair of Tornadoes take up the next two spots. Lance Berkman has 29 dingers and Babe Ruth has 30. 
Lou Gehrig is in second place with 33 long balls, while Josh Gibson of the Harvey Wallbangers is still holding on to the lead with 36 homers. Gibson is also leading the league in batting average with a mark of 363, while Lou Gehrig is hot on his heels here, too, with a 355 average. Home Run Johnson has a 349 average for the Bob Kittens, Rogers Hornsby is hitting 348 for the Crashers, and Judd Wilson of the Limerick Hurlers rounds out the top five with a 347 average. While Gehrig is behind Gibson in average and home runs, he is dominating the RBI race. He's got 118 runs batted in, while the second-place position is 26 behind, with Frank Robinson knocking in 92 runs. John Beckwith of Athens, Joe DiMaggio of Gramercy, and East Point's Turkey Stearns have 90 RBI each for your top five run producers. Ty Cobb continues to lead the league in stolen bases with 52 for the Cleveland Spiders, while George Van Haltren of Brentwood and Eddie Collins of Gramercy are tied for second with 41 steals each. Billy Hamilton has 35 steals for the Tornadoes, and Judd Wilson has swiped 29 bags for the Limerick Hurlers. Ed Walsh continues to be a big part of Twinsburg's success, leading the league in wins with 18. Brentwood Satchel Page is keeping the Bearcats alive with 15 wins, and Max Manning has 14 wins, giving Twinsburg a fantastic duo at the top of the rotation. Slim Jones of Athens has 13 wins, while Eddie Plank of Harvey and a pair of hurlers, Addie Joss and Hooks Wiltsey, all have 12 wins. A couple of those names are atop the ERA leaderboard as well, with Page rocking a 2.85 ERA to lead the league, and after a rocky start to the year, Addy Joss has turned things around and has his ERA down to 3.06. Three Finger Brown, another Bearcat, has a 3.35 ERA, while Leon Day is at 3.59 for the Hurlers. Slim Jones is in the fifth spot with a 3.67 ERA for the Athens Bob Kittens. A tight race for the Classic League Baseball saves title is brewing with Hoyt Wilhelm of Twinsburg leading with 25 saves, just one more than Trevor Hoffman of Gramercy, two more than Billy Wagner of Cleveland, and just five more than Takashi Saito of Athens and Houston Street of Harvey. Really great performances from the back end of the bullpen in the CLB this year. Now before I toss things back to Matt and Jason, it's time for the Ballantine Beer Player of the Week. John Beckwith of the Athens Bob Kittens has had an amazing 10-day stretch. He has batted 489 over that time with three home runs, 13 RBI, and 22 total hits. He is a key member of the Athens Bob Kittens, and we congratulate John Beckwith for his Ballantine Beer Player of the Week honor. <laughs> That'll do it for the first pitch. I'm Casey Rydell signing off. Matt and Jason, back to you. Thank you, Casey Rydell. Love the pipes on that guy. All right, Jason, let's dive into first base here. We want to talk about the first half of the season and the All-Star Game recap. You know, as we, as we just heard there, uh, looks like Josh Gibson has taken over the, uh, the batting average lead and the home run lead, but Lou Gehrig was the one... That was leading all those categories when we hit the All-Star break. Yeah, he had a really hot couple weeks leading into that All-Star break. Um, I want to say, he, I think he was leading uh, in all three major categories, Triple Crown categories, at the time of the break. Um, you know, and even though Gibson's overtaken him in average and home runs, he's still right there. You know, yep. he's just behind him. Yeah, it's going to be a tight MVP race down the stretch. I think we all... Like a quarter way through the season, we were like, "Oh, here we go again." It's going to be Gibson. He's going to run away with it. It's not that that not that way anymore. Yeah. 
Lou Gehrig did come away with the uh, home run derby win uh, when we did the the Twitter uh, event for the second year in a row. A lot of fun with that. And uh, we do the ten the ten outs. We don't do the time limit like the uh, like the majors uh, right now with a guy hitting double the amount of home runs as the, the guy that actually won the home the whole thing. But hey, it is what it is. And so that's the that's the home run derby. Uh, Lou Gehrig gets that. Um, did you know? I mean, it's, it seemed like we had less home runs this year than last year, uh, even the in the Derby. Uh, yeah, in the Derby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seemed that way. I mean, I we, think um, yeah. last year we we uh, ended up having a few long stretch runs that we didn't really see happen as as much. Lou Gehrig in the first round, and then that was kind of it. Right. You know, everybody everybody kind of was hitting around you know twelve to fifteen to win each yeah. round. The dice were not uh, were not hot. Um, but we did have the tiebreaker too. That was that was, fun. That was a yeah. lot of fun. Like coming down to the uh, uh, what three outs, I think it came to. So uh, a lot of fun there. Uh, the result of the All Star Game, the Hobbs Division, or excuse me, the Hobbs League defeated the Kinsella League. Was it twelve to three? Twelve to three. <sighs> Big offensive output, home field advantage. Kinsella was uh, never really in in that game. Yeah, yeah. I think the. Uh, the pitching on the Hobbs side this year is is really really good, and um, Babe Ruth had a great game. He gets the MVP representing Twinsburg. Three for three, two homers, a triple, two walks, two runs, eight RBI in the game. Yeah. I mean, it was basically the Babe Ruth show on, on base every single time at bat. It, I I think I, I would imagine because yeah. I don't think he yeah, yeah he would have he walked had, or he never reached yeah, on an error. He played or the whole yeah. game too, so yep. yeah, it was a big game for him. I know uh, Pop Fisher was. Wishing he would save it for the regular season, but yeah. you know, do you think do you think Babe was uh, ticked he didn't win the home run derby and he just took it out on the Kinsella could, folks? Could be, could be. <laughs> he has a he has a knack for uh, performing when the the biggest spotlights are on him. Yep. Um, so again, another another great year for the uh, All Star Game. Um, now I I know I think we talked about you said we might be uh, bringing out. Where the All Star Game is going to be next year? Do you want to save that for later? Yeah, we'll uh, we'll close the show with that announcement, okay. and then uh, look looking for uh, the logo post tweet tomorrow. Excellent. We'll we'll, we'll uh, make that public. Excellent. Um, let's dive into the division races. You know, we've got a lot of things going really well right now. Um, North Coast is a half game up on East Point, as I mentioned. Uh, or as Casey Rydell mentioned, excuse me, not me. It's Casey Rydell. <laughs> yeah, they keep um, uh, they keep kind of going tug of war back and forth. Like, yeah. every other day you got the one or the other. Uh, and Wormtown's right the there lead. too. I mean, that's yeah, a that's a weird off. division. You know, everyone's under five hundred. Everyone's fighting and clawing to win games, and they're staying bunched up. Yeah, I'm very surprised that all three teams are under five hundred. To be honest with you, I know we talked about. Uh, North Coast having uh, an improved draft and feeling like his team was was going to be better, um, you know. And Wormtown's offense is not really producing the way that we expected them to. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think they're hitting well enough to to be in games, obviously stay in the race, but um, I, I don't believe they're really anywhere in like the top three offensively, mm-hmm. um, like we saw last year and expected the same this year. Yeah. And that's the, what is that? They're the lightning or is that the oak tree? Uh, I believe that's the lightning. Lightning. So then in the oak tree, we've got, we've got Twinsburg, Brentwood, and Athens um, all bunched up. And those are, those are three teams that have been around the league for a while. And they're really showing that they, they know what they're doing when they build their team each season. Right. And I think, uh, you know, in 
the opposite manner. All three teams are above 500. Mm-hmm. Right? Athens might be at 500. Uh, 53 and 51. Okay, two games so up. there yep. you go. All three yep. teams above 500. So you'd probably expect uh, one of those, um, you know, Athens or Brentwood or Twinsburg. You know, I would expect the wild card to probably come out of that division. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, to have such a tight race in in the uh, Lightning division, um, you know, and even a close race for the division, the Oak Tree. But still, you know, you're also looking at the wild card. So all three of those teams are going to be battling each other down the stretch. Right. And I, I was speaking with uh, Jason of East Point earlier, and he's like, you know, I mean, really, he's in second place for the wild card, but he's six and a half out of that. He's only a half game out of first. He's, I think that's where his focus. I mean, you got to look at that as you're going toward the end of the season, especially with the trade deadline, which we'll talk about uh, soon here. But uh, that you got to think: Am I going to go for my division, or am I going to look for that wild card? Um, more than likely, only one team's coming out of that North Coast East Point Wormtown group. So, over to the Kinsella League. Uh, your Gramercy Ghostmen—they they've. Uh, Got things turned around, going the right direction, and you're 13 games over 500 now. Yeah, kind of surprised me. I, I, I don't think I've, I don't think I had like any kind of super extended win streak. I think um, they just kind of started being consistent. Yeah. You know, winning series, which yep. I think is always the goal. Yeah, and, squash the losing streaks. If you yeah, lose, I make sure you win the next day. I had, a, I had a, a, a the few the first few months of the season. You know, I, I was hovering around 500 each month. Um, you know, in July, you know, right before the All-Star break, I feel like they're they're finally starting to click the way I expected them to click. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I have the most balanced team that I've had uh, maybe ever, um, you know, but I wasn't really seeing the, the results. But also it helps that Harvey hit a little snag. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of what got me a little bit of a cushion there, too. They kind of were slumping around the break right around the time that my team was starting to take off. Yeah. Interesting to see Sarnia struggling lately. I mean, they were they were not having this bad of a performance early on they were staying kind of hovering at that 500 now they're 20 games under yeah i think a lot of their pitching staff is you know the wheels are kind of coming off there i know um their offense has been pretty solid all year they've dealt with a few key injuries that i think also hurt them um you know uh it's tough to to win games when when you're starting staff i think their era is something like six you Ouch. Know, so that's tough yeah and then over in the other uh the uh, was that the Moonlight Division? Uh, Limerick and Cleveland, my Limerick hurlers, and the Cleveland Spiders tied at 55 and 50. Raleigh right there, 51 and 53. I mean, it's it's bunched up. You know, these guys are all playing very well and doing the right things, making little tweaks here and there. It's working out. Yeah, it's been uh, kind of interesting to see you and Cleveland going back and forth. Uh, it seems like you guys always start to get hot around the same time <laughs> yeah. together, and neither one can pull away. But Raleigh made made some uh, made some moves, made some changes, and, and they're starting to uh, you know get back to potentially having a, a winning record as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that race uh, folds unfolds. Absolutely, absolutely. So. Um... Wild card races. We we do have we've got Brentwood leading uh, the Hobbs wild card. Limerick has the lead in the um, Kinsella wild card. But to answer why Limerick is in the lead in the wild card, I think we're gonna have to head to second base unless you've got anything else to add to first base. No, let's let's talk about those uh, mailbag questions. Here we go. Second base mailbag questions tiebreakers lead us off what are the tiebreaker rules for the postseason so we just alluded to the fact that uh 
Limerick is showing as the uh, wild card leader, while Cleveland is showing as the division leader. Any rhyme or reason to that right now? None whatsoever, other than <laughs> I didn't, you know, feel like making the change because um, Cleveland had the lead, you know, before you, you had tied it up after today's games. So what are what are the tiebreaker rules? So if I finish tied with uh, Cleveland at the end of the regular season, one of us has to be the division winner. How's that going to be decided? So kind of like Major League Baseball does it. I know that that since Major League Baseball has added wild cards, it's gotten more complicated. But we uh, will still kind of do it the old school way. If two teams are tied for the division lead, there will be a one-game playoff at the end of the season. Um, so in your case, you and you and Cleveland are tied. If the season ended today, you know you guys would play the one-game tiebreaker for tomorrow. The one fifty-fifth. And the reason. Um, because you also would both have the record lead in the wild card. Whoever lost that game would inevitably be inevitably inevitably be the wild card. But if there is a tie between two wild card teams, uh, and it doesn't have any kind of bearing on the division lead, that would not have any kind of playoff. It would be uh, determined by your head-to-head record during the regular season. So let's just use you and Harvey as, a, as an example, since you guys are right there. Um, you know, whoever had the better record against each other during the regular season would get the wild card berth. Got it. What about, what other ties can we have? Um, just, that's it, right? I mean, just wild card tie and division tie, right? Yeah, and, and if it were, uh, it'd be the same thing as the wild card tiebreaker if there was some kind of like home field advantage record situation. Um, I know that, like, my, I think Twinsburg has the best record in the league, and I'm like a half a game or a game behind him. If we happen to end tied, uh, whoever had the better regular season record would get the home field throughout the playoffs. Sounds good. Uh, the next question, and again, we're going we're gonna to come back to the trade deadline at third base, but are there rules regarding free agency? waivers and trades now this isn't something that's ever really come up with us talking about the waiver wire so i think that's important for us to discuss here because it's not something that has really ever been affected like no one's ever dropped a guy and then they've someone's immediately wanted to pick him up it actually has and oh. it, it's actually kind of what determined uh making that rule to begin with um this season uh and if you look if you look on the website uh on the transaction page of the website you look at signings and releasings or whatever and whenever you see that uh, a, a team has claimed a player rather than signed a player that means that they did make a waiver claim and that their you know claim had been um, had been accepted so what happens is when a player is released you have to wait three days from that day um, before uh, they can go to a new team so before, before they can even be claimed. Well, no, no. Okay, before they before can play the, Yeah, before they could, you know, make it to a new team. So during that three-day waiting period, that's when teams would be able to try and claim them. Uh, and the waiver claim system is, is all it, – it all starts at the beginning of the year with the draft order. And so, like, uh, North Coast is, is a good example um, because they, they've made some claims this year. So they are currently like at the bottom of the waiver claim list because they made a claim, it was successful, and then they moved to the bottom, and then any team that was behind them moves up. Um, so I, I forget who had the number one pick 
in the Athens. series, right? Athens. Athens. Yep. And so they have not made any kind of waiver claim. Uh, well, I guess the the last pick, I should say, which I think was North, North Coast. Coast. Yeah, right. So whoever was the 11th pick in this year's draft uh, now currently holds the, the top spot of the waiver claim. Got it. And as far as trade rules go, we got the deadline that happens July 31st, which is today. After today, uh, no trades can be made until um, the season has been completed and World Series is over. Uh, at that point in time, teams can trade any of their um, active players, you know, before they submit their, you know, protected lists. Um, and once the protected lists are locked in, then those eight guys are the only ones that you could, you know, potentially trade or move. Uh, you can trade draft picks, but only for the upcoming draft, so not like future years. Right. Yes, because again, we, you know, things. This is a, it's a fluid league. You know, uh, people come in, people leave. Uh, obviously, we don't want people to leave. We want we want people to stick around and make this league lots of fun. Um, but uh, yeah, so we gotta we gotta keep an eye on those on those picks. Yeah, and then uh, another rule that I did forget to mention in that with the trade rule is the no trade back rule. Um, so like, if you had traded a player to a team, you couldn't like get that player back within the same season. Uh, um, like someone wants him for the stretch run, but yeah, hey, I, 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 give yeah. him back to me for the um, for my protected for the, list. And yeah, so that, that, that rule was put into place. That was before I was even running the league, so that yeah. rule still is in effect, um, which I'm not sure has ever taken place, but it you know was to kind of protect those back-and-forth moves for, stretch run, for yep. stretch run purposes. That came into play a lot, too, when we had the uh, – at one time we had the limit of how many years you could protect a player. Yeah. And so that's yeah. where that's where that I think that's where that rule originally Originated, came into play yeah. to say, hey, yeah, you can't trade them and then, you know, get them back to reset the clock. To re- yeah. Right, yeah, right. yeah, that was another reason for it. So now here's another another mailbag question that came in, one I'm very interested in. You know, we are in year 18 right now, and uh, you and I have talked about how 20 years would be a really cool, good time to say, maybe we should create a Hall of Fame, <laughs> a Classic League Hall of Fame. Um, so if the Classic League had a Hall of Fame, which six to eight players do you think would go in first? So here's what I want to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down. We, we've talked about this a little bit. Um, we've got some hitters, some pitchers, and some Negro Leaguers. So let's talk about, let's go, that, let's go um, group by group here. Is that, a, is that fair? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I, real quick shout out, too, because yeah. we just had the, the actual Hall of Fame induction. So like shout sure. out to... David Ortiz, Gil Hodges, yeah. Buck O'Neill, all those guys are in the classic. Buck O'Neill's the big they're, one. Now man. they're in the Hall of Fame. Buck O'Neill, he could be a Hall of Fame manager yeah. for the uh, yeah, for, for the classic that's league. That's true. Um, yes, that was that was great. I watched that the other night. Um, so the hitters list. Let's look at some hitters first. You got Babe Ruth, Josh Gibson, Lou Gehrig, Ty Cobb, Mickey Mantle. That's kind of like your elite of the elite. Yeah, guys that are um, all over the list of all-time stats, like mm-hmm. career stats in this league. Yeah. So let's so pick uh let's do this. Let's pick pick 3 of them. Which 3 are you putting in? I think uh you got to go with Babe Ruth. I think mm-hmm. he's the no-brainer. I think Josh Gibson too mm-hmm. just because he hasn't he's only been in the league since the Negro League rosters were added in I think this 2010. Is the 11th, yeah, it's so, the 11th or 12th season for that. So the fact yep. that he's up there in a lot of those um uh lists yeah, career is statistics, yeah. a lot of MVPs. Yep. So I think Ruth and Gibson are the no-brainers. The third guy is where it gets iffy. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, Gehrig is up there and hits home runs, RBI. Ty Cobb's up there and average, hits stolen bases. Yep. And then you got Mickey Mantle, who has a lot of the power, home runs, and RBI. I think if you look at um, 
like consistency. I feel like uh, Lou Gehrig is is probably the one that is the most consistent because he not only hits for power, but he's also uh, usually in the top five in, in batting average or or at least uh, up there. Um, you know, Cobb doesn't have the power, so if his average or on base slips, you know, he, he doesn't add a, a ton of value. Uh, same thing with Mantle. He's had years where he hits for a low average, so then you're only getting power. Yep. Garrick's kind of the whole package in, in terms of a middle-of-the-order guy, so i got to go with him. There we go. Now let's talk about some pitchers. you got uh, Ed Walsh, Rube Waddell, Addie Joss, Walter Johnson, and Satchel Page. Another who's who of pitching wizards, Cy Young winners, wins leaders, um, strikeout leaders. Like, you got the whole package. So, I mean, let's, let's pick three of these ones, you know. I think, uh, I think personally, Rube. Rube's number one on the list right there for me. Um, obviously, he's having a, a little bit of a down year this year. Uh, and still pretty good, but uh, what do you think? Very difficult. Yeah. Because I think all five of these pitchers, though over the course of time, have have obviously compiled great career numbers. I think every single one has had bad years. Like every yeah. pitcher in this league tends to have a, a bad year or down year every now and then. Um, I think Ed Walsh is from the start of this league to now is probably the most consistent. Uh, I don't think anyone's ever going to break his ERA record because of the, how offensive this league has become. Yeah. He's got a ton of wins. Uh, Rube, obviously, you know, ha- has had really great years recently, um, has piled up some Cy Young winner or Cy Young awards. Um, and, again, kind of going to that third one, I think Addie Joss and Walter Johnson are also guys that have been consistent since the beginning. Yep. But Satchel Page has just been very dominant since, uh, you know, his, his Negro League stats were became his, his main right. uh, player card. And I think to separate those three, if you look at the number of Cy Young Awards that Page has won, I think he kind of he, he's probably the one that gets the edge just because he's, again, kind of the complete package of ERA, strikeouts, uh, and Cy Young Awards. That hurts, man. That's my ace right I there. Know. I mean, he's, Addy he's in the, the conversation. Yeah, no, I, exactly. <laughs> if there's second class. Second class. That's fine. That's fine. And, and I think what, what's uh, interesting about this list is we, we talk about this during draft time, um, you know, what teams have aces and how there's only a handful of true aces in this league. You know, you're looking at five of them right there. Yep. You know, I think you could throw in, uh, well, I think we'll get to the the, the Negro League players yes. that maybe don't have enough stats, but you could throw in a couple of them yep. as well. So we're going we're gonna to pick two of this group. We're going to pick two of these. Um, you got Mule Suttles, Oscar Charleston, Turkey Stearns, Slim Jones, and Max Manning. I mean, you, you mentioned Max and Slim right there. Yeah, those are those, the other ace yep, guys. Those are the guys. Have. Um, Athens and Twinsburg, loving protecting those guys every year. And then the hitters, Mule Suttles, Oscar Charleston, Turkey Stearns, doing great things, keeping East Point alive in their expansion year as they try to make the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think you have to uh, include Turkey Stearns. Uh, out of those three hitters, I think he has been uh, the most consistently, you know, dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you could probably discuss Oscar Charleston as well. Mule Suttles has had some big years, but you know he he doesn't always have those super big power years. I mean this this year is a good example of it. You know he he's hitting for power, he's hitting for average, but uh, kind of in the same vein as like John Beckwith, where 
He's got really good numbers, all-star, but when you're talking Hall of Fame, you're talking potential MVP or Cy Young type guys, and you know, I don't know if Mule Suttles is an MVP guy every year, whereas Turkey Stearns, you know, it usually is. Oscar yep. Charleston probably more often than not. Yep. So we're, we're this is this is probably the longest mailbag conversation we've ever had. And we uh, before we wrap it up, I still think we need to talk about closers. You know, something that's um, something that's important in this league. You got to have a good closer on the back end. Is there anyone that you think has had that year after year after year consistency? to be in that first class and the, the one thing I'll say is like doing um doing having Casey Rydell do uh, Classic League Daily for us last year and then this year Takashi Saito is a guy that is always right there yeah I think um it's tough because we've had many years where closers many closers were not good like in the same year mm-hmm. you know couldn't be counted on you've only had a few closers from the beginnings of this league that have been consistent enough to usually you know be someone's closer because that happens too you take a, a few closers in, in the draft and whoever does the best kind of wins the job yep. Tom Hankey is kind of that guy he's, he's been consistent enough where he's racked up a ton of saves but the newer guys that have entered the league you know the the modernity of these closers who have only retired maybe within the last eight years mm-hmm. are joining the league later you got Mariano Rivera Trevor Hoffman, Billy Wagner, Takashi Saito. Those guys are all, I think, uh, five years from now going to be in the conversation. But at this point in time, I don't think you would put a closer in. You certainly wouldn't put a closer in over a guy like Slim Jones or Max Manning right. who have consistently been an ace on someone's yeah. team. And I think that's something to consider when we – because I, th- I think we should do it. I think it's something that it would be a, f- a fun addition to the Classic League. But you don't want to go throwing a bunch of people in every year because at some point – then. And everybody's in, so yeah. maybe it's something where we limited to four a year or something yeah, like I'm, that, and only maybe do we f- could yeah. do uh, or every other year. Maybe do like a little voting tally at the end of each season to give like an honorary hitter and honorary pitcher and induct two guys every year because it's not like any cool. of these guys are retiring and moving on right. to a higher league. Right, this is the highest league. <laughs> this is the highest league there is. Well, there. I mean, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. That's uh, that's one of the longest segments I think we've ever done on this show, and. Uh, just fun to talk about the history of the game and the history of our league now that we're coming up on that 20-year, two-decade mark. It's crazy to think about. Um, so uh, so I think that's going to wrap up the mailbag. Anything else? Uh, we better speed around the bases. Yes, indeed. And let's get a dipper first. Let's do it. All right, Jason, we're at third base. We're taking our dipper. We've got uh, from Territorial Brewing Company in Battle Creek, Michigan, or near Battle Creek. I think it's Springfield is the uh, actual area there. Uh, we've got a Unicorn Schwartz, uh, which is a nice Dunkelweizen. What do you think? Not bad. I, I, I'm enjoying it. I love the style. It's pretty – Unicorn's a, a good name for it. You know, it's a unique style to have the, the dark of the Dunkel and the and the wheat of the Hefeweizen together. Really good beer. Glad I grabbed some on my way out of town last week. So, trade deadline recap. All right, I'll tell, I will tell you, I'm, I'm working on a deal. I don't have an answer in yet, but uh, I am trying to make a move before the deadline. Limerick Curlers are looking to uh, make a move to try and push me over the top. Maybe try and bring a player home. You know, that's all I'll say for now. Okay. Um, Maybe something under the gun post post broadcast. Yeah, it, it might have to be. Yeah, we're, I was I was trying to get it in so I could announce it on the show, but uh, we'll see what happens between now and the end of the day. But we do have three trades to talk about. Number one, we've got the Twinsburg Tornadoes. 
sending Hideki Okajima to Athens for Cal Ripken Jr. What do you think? Well, this was a kind of a lower level under the radar deal. I think both both of those players um, were not really being used a whole lot by either team. I know uh, Twinsburg had Okajima in his setup role for a while and had recently deactivated him because of uh, lack of success. But uh, Ripken had a good year for Twinsburg last year, so I I'm assuming probably wanted to try and bring that back. Wasn't getting a lot of production out of his shortstop. Um, and I'm sure Athens looks at Okajima as a guy who could help his bullpen. Um, I think the years that Okajima's been successful have usually been with the Athens Bob Kitten, so really no surprise there. I think that's a deal that could help both both of them uh, fit some, some needs that they had. For sure. Next one, we've got the North Coast Crashers sending Nolan Ryan to you. To me. The oh, Gramercy hey. Ghostman for Frank Tanana. Frank Tanana. What a, what a year he had to start the year. He started really hot as he stayed. I've yeah, um, I, I will say that this was one of those moves where um, it, it didn't really change much for me. It was it was more about uh, North Coast reaching out about um, trying to fix some needs in, in the bullpen. And I'm looking at what my, you know, wrote my, what my pitching staff's going to look like in the postseason because I, I, I feel like I, I have a strong enough uh, team to, to make sure that I get to the postseason. Tanana was being used as a just like a long reliever, mm -hmm. um, and he's been good. I, you know, it wasn't like I wanted to get him or I, I was looking to move him, but I figured, you know, I, I was interested in trying Nolan Ryan out. He was a guy I was looking at in the draft that I didn't get. Um, and I know in the, in the postseason I like to go with a three-man rotation. So I look at the next couple months as maybe trying a, a couple different guys in the four spot uh, and help me make some decisions for next year. Mm -hmm. So I, I felt like Tanana was a guy I could let go and hopefully you know help out a team while also giving me a chance to look at uh, you know a pitcher that I very much was going to try and draft this this past draft for sure that's a, kind of off topic off the trade topic a little bit here but i, I want to remember um i know injuries carry over from regular season to postseason does are is usage also affected so like if you wanted to add a fifth man to your rotation down the stretch so you can kind of give rubadell a break that kind of thing is that does that stuff carry over to the postseason that, that's a good question um should have saved it for the mailbag next time. Yeah, well, I, I know an, an, another team actually recently asked me that, um, you know, looking forward um, to what they were going to do down the stretch. It, that That's uh, – the, the quick answer is kind of. Um, the way usage works from regular season to postseason is their usage starts over. So they're going to – go into the postseason with a new um, usage rating in terms of, you know, being rested or being injured. Or, so they or start you fully place. rested. But they're not really fully rested. You know what Got I mean? It. Like, so the, the factor of a full season does play a role in the way that, like, if you had a guy who was – this kind of happened to me last – I'll use this as an example. Last year, Dazzy Vance had a really good first half and then he struggled in the second half. And 
when I used him in the postseason, he was fresh. He's, his pitch count was where you know you would expect it to be. His his expectations were where you expected to be, but I, his performances were still kind of mirroring what he was doing down the season. So, I mean, take that for what it's worth. I don't know if that means that it does or it doesn't, um, but it does seem like guys who are running out of gas don't tend to like have a second life in in the postseason. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Should have saved that. Oh well, that's okay. We'll find some more mailbag questions for the next inning. Last trade to talk about is a big one. This is a is a pretty hefty move by the Gramercy Ghostman. Oh, that's you again. I wanted to stay busy. So you're sending Doc White, Catfish Hunter, and Cool Papa Bell to the Harvey Wallbangers, and in return you're getting Hank Greenberg and Pete Hill. What prompted uh, that discussion? So, t- to be perfectly honest, um, I mean, I-, I had sent out an email to the league about wanting to try and improve my offense. Um, I felt like first base was probably the most likely position to be able to fill in with a better bat upgrade at first base. Had some depth at pitching. Um, I-, I, You know, my strength this year is in pitching. My offense has been hit or miss. Uh, the initial offer, uh, or the, I guess I should say the initial deal that was being considered on the table was Doc White and Cool Papa Bell for Hank Greenberg. Straight up, yeah. Yeah, and, and even though Cool Papa Bell is a bench guy for me, he's an important bench guy. You know, he's like the first backup outfielder no matter the position. You pinch know, runner. He, he can run off. Yep. The, he's hitting. You know, he he's having a really good season in, in his limited at-bats. Was not really thrilled about giving him up. Uh, decided to see if uh, Harvey would trade Pete Hill because Pete Hill has some of the same characteristics that even though Bell, you know, is a good player to give up, I felt like Pete Hill could at least um, replace what he does on the bench. Good defense, can pinch run, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. So, um, yeah, that was how Catfish Hunter ended up in the deal. Uh, I had given him a few names, uh, a few more pitching names that I was willing to part with. And I felt like uh, Doc White being my fourth starter was probably going to end up becoming a reliever in, in the postseason. And I felt like Greenberg was definitely an upgrade at first base offensively. So uh, I wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, that I, I focused on what I was trying to do from the get-go. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so I guess that's that's it for right now. Um, we'll, see if, uh, we'll see if anything else happens before the deadline. But... Uh, that's it for the trade deadline, so ready to head home? Let's do it. All right. All right, let's head home with a look at the stretch run and some key series that are coming up. So we've got uh, about a uh, month and a half left in the season. Mid-September is the end of the regular season, right? Yeah, September 25th, so almost okay. two months. Almost two months, yeah. yep. Um, but uh, let's let's point to some things here that uh, that are going to happen that are going to really – kind of decide things in these division battles um we've got athens and brentwood they've got they've got four more series against each other including the final weekend of the season that could be very interesting yeah i think um especially at this point in time i know they they play each other quite a bit like within the next month and brentwood who a lot a lot like last year started hot out of the gate mm-hmm. not really stumbling but not as not playing as well as they were to the point where Athens um, is playing a lot better, and you know their their wild card separation is 
uh, minimal to the point where if Athens can, uh, you know, get some wins, that's a quick way for them to, to really create some space and get themselves back into the playoffs again. Yeah, it's, that, yeah, for sure. I like the way that that's, I mean, I know you're able to make some tweaks to the schedule here and there, but for the most part, this is what the computer's putting in there. And the fact that it's, uh, it's working out this way is always cool. Um, we've got East Point. They're going up against quite a few division foes starting in mid-August. They've got a lot of division games coming up. Yeah, it's going to be important for them. I, I know they've made a lot of changes to their team over, over the course of the season. Um, so it, it seems like what they're doing is starting to work and at the right time. Yep. Uh, Gramercy and Harvey, your ghost men, and the Wallbangers are going at it three times in the month of September. Yeah, to close, that could be huge. Yeah, close out that season. I think, um, you know, the the separation right now, six and a half games, you know, you always want to try and beat those division foes. You know, I, I think for him to climb his way back into the division uh, is what he wants, and uh, you know what I want. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you've got uh, Twinsburg and Brentwood, you know, back to that that trio of Athens, Brentwood, Twinsburg. But Twinsburg and Brentwood have late September face-off. That'll be huge. Uh, North Coast and East Point, they've got a home-and-home six-game set to end the season. Kind of like our uh, our hometown Cleveland Guardians here. we got, what, a five-game set against the Royals to end the year, which <laughs> that could mean something. Those yeah. five games could be important. But, hey, that's Major League Baseball. This is Classic League Baseball. Um, but, yeah, that six-game set at the end of the year, that could be the division right there. Yeah, that'll be exciting because whenever you have that many games in a row against each other, you get the full scope of, of the rotations and the bullpens and everything plays out. Yep. And so uh, we mentioned earlier, so Limerick and Cleveland are tied for the um, Moonlight division right now. Um, Limerick, obviously, I'm the defending champion. want to get back to the playoffs and try and defend that title. I've got Cleveland with a three-game series to end the season on the road too right? on the road yeah. it could mean one of us goes to the playoffs one of us doesn't it could mean it could mean one of us is the division winner one of us is the wild card it could mean so many things that's and and uh, not, and not to tease not uh -oh. to tease it too much because uh -oh. we're still two months away uh oh but if if the records look anything like they do right now what would be even more of of a storyline there is that i having the top record would have the bye in the playoffs while you guys would be fighting for division wild card and then have to face each other in the first round of the playoffs because oh it's a wild card against right. second best record unbelievable so yeah now that we're you know limiting the postseason to just within each league and not cross section like right. we used to you know that may turn into a, a, a two-week battle <laughs> <laughs> it very well could any other key uh, series, anything else to watch as we head down the stretch? Possibly, um, you know, any of these teams making trades. We, we might have uh, some deals under the gun. We still have a few hours left um, before the deadline is up. And uh, I don't know, it seems like a lot of these teams that shake up their, their rosters uh, sometimes get themselves moving in the right direction. And you could see these uh, key series start to... Uh, become more prevalent if more yep. teams are, are close in the race. Absolutely. All right, well, hey, let's hit home plate, okay? Let's do it.
All right, Jason, before we wrap up the, uh, the trade I alluded to, you know, there was a trade in the works. It is done. We have a, we have an official trade right before the end of, right before the end of uh, classic league or excuse me, dead people baseball here. Um, I've made a trade. All right. We're ready to hear it. So here we go. So I am sending the Limerick curlers are sending Jimmy Fox, Kai Kai Kyler, John Smoltz and big bill Foster. Wow. That's a big haul. Yes. To the East point elites. And in return, not only am I getting Buck Leonard to replace Jimmy Fox at first base, but Limerick Hurler favorite, fan favorite, Vladimir Guerrero is coming home. Vladi dotty dotty. Vladi dotty dotty. We likes to potty for another title. He's coming for the stretch run and another shot at a title. He keeps getting his heartstrings pulled for Limerick. He, he comes and he goes every season. He, he does. And I'll tell you, that was one of the hardest decisions last year, leaving him soft protected instead of hard protected. So to be able to get him back in the fold. Wow, that's a big, that, that's a big trade to digest. Big deal, big will, deal. Will, will that be the last trade before the, the time runs out on Who knows? It is, it is now uh, 3.30 as we wrap up the podcast uh, production here. Um, we've got one more thing to talk about. Big, another big announcement, also yes. involving you, I suppose. What? How? What? Let's let's talk about uh, All Star Game next season, 2023. Returning to the Kinsella Division or Kinsella League, excuse Correct. me. Correct. Uh, so Lim- the Limerick Curlers will will be hosting next season's All-Star wow. Game. How about that? Cullen Stadium. First time in Famously like known as like Municip- 10, Cleveland 10 Municipal so. Stadium. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I held an All-Star Game. I have to look at my game. records when the last time was, but it's been a while. Wow. I know that. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be unveiling that All-Star logo on our Twitter page uh, probably tomorrow afternoon. Nice. We'll definitely make sure to follow us on Twitter at Classic League Daily 05. Head over to classicleague.weebly.com for daily updates, box scores. Keep a, keep an eye down the stretch, folks. It's going to be interesting, especially with these trades going through. Um, what else? Anything else before we say bye bye? <laughs> I think I think uh, I think I have to uh, take a breather after all that big breaking news. Right, so probably, probably hey. a good time to uh, go to the clubhouse. Crazy stuff. All right, guys. Hey, thanks for joining us for this episode of Dead People Baseball. We'll see you next month for another inning.